You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 155 with Tim Robertson, David Cohen. We talk about Microsoft releasing iPad software, Oculus Rift, and the Walled Garden. And it is tech fan number one fifty five uh, dollar short and a week late. <laughs> we didn't make it last week, David. We did not. He's David Cohen. I'm Tim Robertson. We're the hosts here on Tech Fan, and it is uh, MacWorld Expo week. But neither David nor I are in San Francisco enjoying the iWorld slash MacWorld Expo. Which is a shame. It's always good to uh, it's always good to get to San Francisco and. Uh even though it's changed a lot, it's always a fun show. It is it's not 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 get much coverage this year. It's not, man. I'm I'm not finding it hardly anywhere. I mean, yeah. at mymac.com, we've got two articles about it, three if you count this um, article from Guy. But uh, some pictures. I'm still waiting to get audio from uh, the crew there, and uh, get the mymac podcast up with. Uh, with all that information and the Macworld goodness, same with Three Geeky Ladies. Uh, they're all there. Well, I don't think Suze is, but uh, Vicky and uh, Alyssa is there. So, And we've got Kurt there. Owen's going to be there. Um, Mark Rudd's going to be there. So quite a few from my Mac is, is at the Macworld Expo. But you really wouldn't know it by looking at the website right now. <laughs> you know what? I've just tried to Google it. And here's, here's a, the first problem. Because they call it now... Macworld slash iWorld. Yep. Well, you can't Google that. No. Because slash looks wrong. I mean, it doesn't work on a on a Google thing. So if you just type in Macworld, you get loads of stuff about the magazine and IGG, but you don't get very much about the show. Nope. So right there, there seems to be a bit of an issue. Uh, I'm going to go to, uh, while we're talking, I'm going to go to Macworld.com because it still has their name in it. And... Uh, well, they have a Macworld iWorld 2014 preview, even though the show's been open this is the second day. That's not good. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot of stuff here about it. And it's a shame, too, because it really is a good show, David. There's a lot of information that I think people would want to see. Some new products. And uh, this is a, a prime opportunity for journalists yeah, absolutely. The, on it. the one of the issues with with kind of Apple stuff is that you can see an awful lot of what what's going on by going to the Apple Store, but they don't. The Apple, Apple Store don't carry everything, and they uh, and they're always going to be pushing the Apple products themselves more than anything. Exactly, and and one of the good things about Mac MacWorld always was you could see you go and see and talk to product suppliers and developers and vendors who otherwise you might not ever really come across and from a journalistic standpoint or as a podcaster uh we would hit the show floor for three or four days doing interviews with companies yeah and giving them you know the ears at least as far as the the interviews the, the podcast interviews went or an article with pictures and uh, they would get the pr that they were hoping to get from attending the show I'm just not seeing the coverage this year. I don't know no. why. 
there was more coverage last year. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it bodes well, but I did see pictures, and it looks like the event, as far as the number of people there are successful, but how many of those are unpaid journalists? In other words, they're, they're journalists they didn't have to pay to attend. Yeah. Compared to people paying to walk in the doors and look well, around. Not, not, I mean, if a lot of them are unpaid journalists, they're doing a lousy job because we're not hearing about it. That's them. right. They're doing a terrible <laughs> job. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything against the MyMac people because I actually see in, we have a shared Dropbox, and I see yeah. the folder filling up with a bunch of interviews. They just haven't put the show together. I imagine yeah. that guy will be doing that today and sending me a link saying, hey, this show's ready to go. And Alyssa has been posting pictures from the event, and that's... I mean, there's just not a lot. Even the big Mac sites, they have nothing on the show at all. Like 9 to 5 Mac. There's zero there about the, the Mac World Expo. Yeah. And they, it used to be kind of wall-to-wall coverage for those two, three days. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's kind of sad. Yeah. But anyways, there's a lot of stuff going on in the tech world. Uh, Microsoft finally unveils and releases the office suite for the iPad. Yeah. Long yeah. time coming. And you know what? Um, they've done a pretty good job. You do say. have to have uh, an Office 365 subscription that costs $99 a year. But look, Office was a $300 product. Oh, yeah. So that's that's right in well, line the, with yeah. the price. There's, there's a couple of things there, actually. First of all is you don't need to pay it all up front. You can pay a little bit more and get it monthly. Yep. So if you want to dip your toe in the water and see what it's like on the iPad. What is it, 10 bucks you, a month? It's uh, Yeah, something like that. Um, you can do that. That's what I did last night when I uh, I loaded up the apps, which are free, uh, and they allow you to read Office documents without editing them, unless you've got the Office 365 subscription. So I loaded it up, had a quick look, thought, yeah, this looks like there's enough here, because I, w- I was very keen to make sure they weren't just like ports of the web apps, which are right. okay, but fairly low on functionality. You could see there were more than that. So I ponied up for a, a 365 subscription for myself. Um, now, uh, you're not just getting Office for iPad with that. You're actually getting um, you're getting a big SkyDrive, you're getting 60 minutes of Skype international calling every month, <laughs> And you're getting five desktop installs of Office, so that's, that's pretty good. That could that could be a PC, that could be a Mac. So basically, you could you could legally give Office to everybody in your family with the latest version, or if you have a couple of computers. I mean, obviously, I've got lots of computers, so I can have it on my on my desktop Mac, my um, my home Mac, um, my portable Mac, my Windows machine. You know, all of that. Completely legally, full shared integration with SkyDrive and everything like that for um, eight eight pounds a month, which is what I'm paying in, here in the UK. Now, that's not a bad deal, to be honest. That really isn't a bad deal. No. And as I said, when I tried the iPad version, um, I was really pleasantly surprised by how much functionality is there. Uh, we we have some fairly complicated business documents. I loaded one of those up. It looked like it did on my PC. The, the only slight formatting issues are some of the fonts that we use aren't available on the iPad, so they get substituted. Uh, I could do all the stuff I would want to do. I could do track changes. I can use our corporate styles. I can insert tables and, and that sort of thing. It looks like a pretty good, you know, cut, slightly cut-down version of the of the Word Word processor. I'm going to try it over the next couple of weeks, and provided I can turn out work documents 
in much the same way I can on a PC, I'm probably going to be getting rid of my Windows tablet because I don't think I'm going to need it anymore. I think I'll be able to do everything on the iPad. That would be impressive. You know, yeah. Microsoft had this event, uh, was it two days ago? I think it was two yeah. days ago. Satya Nadella, he is the new uh, CEO of Microsoft. That's where they unveiled this, but it wasn't just this. They also talked about where they're kind of going as a company. And what I found very interesting <clears throat> after reading the transcripts, I didn't find a video of it online, but I'm sure there is. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a. I'm coming off of a really bad head cold, by the way, so that's why I'm. My voice is getting a little raspy, and I've got icky stuff going on. Uh, but anyways, they really concentrated on the cloud, and that Microsoft Windows wasn't playing a big role in where he was kind of saying where the company is going. And I think that was very, very telling. I think that Microsoft finally has a leader that understands your customers are not on hardware running your operating system like they used to. And if you want to be competitive in with the IT out there and with consumers, you have to support these other platforms that are not running your OS. Yeah. And I, you know, coming to the iPad is a, is a big part of that. And what they're looking for going forward, at least from what I hear at this event, now they've got another event coming up in a month, and who knows, they could do a complete 360 on this. Well, 180, I should say. Um, what I'm hearing is they're going to try to make money no matter what platform you're on. Which is it's kind of sensible, isn't it? It's like... Well, I, okay, I'm amazed. It makes so much yeah. sense that I'm, I'm actually... I'm I'm quite beside myself to be quite honest, David. Yeah. I'm like, like, wow, someone finally gets it. This is what we've yeah, been saying since we started Tech Fan, David. Yeah, you could be a Microsoft customer because you use their software. They don't care. They shouldn't care nope. quite so much what hardware platform you're on. Why? It, whereas the Microsoft in the past was well, well, if you want to use Microsoft software, we think the best way to get that experience is to throw all of your stuff away and um, buy our platform. And you know what? You're probably running it anyway, so so that's that's great. Now, I can hear some of our listeners say, oh, well, that's what Apple does. They say you've got to buy all of their stuff. Um, but actually, they don't, because you can... Apple learned a long time ago with, with the iPod that you can make plenty of money by servicing your own platform. But if you actually take other bits of your infrastructure and open them up to other platforms, like they did with the iPod, when all of a sudden it will work with Windows then that's when things explode, and that's what they've done. Yep. Yeah, the, yeah, the Mac itself is still a closed platform. Um, and the OS X is a closed platform in some respects, but in other respects it isn't, because you can get it on other devices. You get it on I, in the form of iOS, which is I, I, iOS, OS X and, and the core. And, and those other devices, your iPads and everything, they work with the cloud, they work with uh, Windows, um, you know, they're much more open than, than say, something like Windows 8 is. Much more. Yeah. But beyond that, getting back to Microsoft themselves, what do you think, David? Do you think this is a, a titanic shift at Microsoft? Do you think that they've th been kind of working towards this for a while? Yeah, I think, I think there's two things I took from this. First of all is, yeah, this is a change in kind of the strategy at the top. And you presume that, that Nadella has the support of the board, including the ex-CEO and 
the ex-CEO. Um, but I think what he's going to try and do with this is, um, and, and there was a couple of other things that a couple of days ago, they changed the name of, of um, Azure, their cloud service, right. which used to be called Windows Azure. And now it's just called Azure. And uh, Nadella used to run Azure. So I think what he's doing is he's saying to Microsoft, we're not going to do this Windows game anymore where it has to be our way or the highway or it has to be Windows branded and it has to be everything has to work with anything else. I think he's going to try and cut through that. I think he's going to try and cut through the um, tribalism that exists within Microsoft between the different divisions to try and get them all working in the same direction. He's got to do now, that. Otherwise, none of these plans mean anything. Exactly. So I think I think that's this is him saying to the market, this is my approach. I think the other thing he's doing is um, is by by saying to the market, here's Office for a touch device and you know a proper touch enabled version rather than the version that's on the RT and Windows Surface tablets at the moment. Um, he's saying here it is. We're doing it for the iPad first because we recognise that for many of our customers, that's a very important platform, and it's more important than our own platform. And I don't think that's going to be an overnight runaway success for them, because I don't. I think most of the people... I, I, I've seen that several kind of snidey blogger comments from some of the tech commentators since this happened, saying, ooh, yeah, but, you know, nobody uses Office anymore. I just type into Mars Edit and then post it up to my WordPress server, you know, or um, oh, well, I can just get find, get by finding pages. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't, or or anybody who sends me a word document, I just send it back to them and tell me to send it to, to send it to me as text. That is rubbish. That is tech facing tribal hipsterism of the worst order. Because go outside of your of your journalist bubble and go into the real world. Everybody's using Office, yep. and certainly in the enterprise in business. Everybody's using Office. In the schools, everyone's using Office. And the fact that those people, for the price of an Office 365 subscription, can now get Office on an iPad, where many of us have iPads anyway and have kind of been bumbling along trying to do Word stuff, trying to do PowerPoint. It's Word and PowerPoint, really. I don't think, you know, Excel is, is, is the sort of people who really make Excel sing need to do it on a computer because they're doing big, complicated models. But and I you think, need a large screen for Excel. Well, really it's, it's it's better, much much better with a large mm -hmm. screen. So Excel is less of a thing, but Word and PowerPoint are a big deal. But I, I think it will. I think it'll be softly, softly. I think what will happen is over time, enterprises will move to Office three six five. A lot of them are on it already for for Exchange, uh, and this will push that. So that will be a win for Microsoft anyway. And now all of a sudden, all those people who have iPads can now edit Word documents, can edit PowerPoint presentations and, and deliver those from, from their iPads. That, over time, I think is going to snowball into quite a big momentum, and I think it's going to be quite an important change for Microsoft. And I think it's a big change, and it's very important for Microsoft as well. In fact, Tim Cook even on Twitter welcomed um, Office on the iPad directly to Nadell, who Nadell thanked Tim Cook. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. was kind of neat. Look, this is a big deal for Apple. Like oh, yeah. you said, I don't care. You, you can always try to find workarounds, but if your office is an office office, <laughs> yeah, pun intended, you never could bring your iPad to work or they're never going to deploy iPad. Well, there's a chance that they could do that now. They already support Absolutely. the email. So, well, here's the rest of the office suite that you need. I yeah. think that's a big deal. 
It's bigger than I, a lot of people may think. Uh, absolutely. But I, I think it's going to be a slow burn. I don't think it's going to be, <clears throat> you know, they're, going to, they're not going to be announcing millions and millions of, of new Office 365 subscriptions in the next two, two months because of this. I think it will happen over time. But um, I, I think, think you'll see some. I, I think you'll see half a million right off the bat. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's just look at how many yeah. iPads have been sold in the last three years. Yeah, but but each of those people who wants to use Office is going to have to buy an Office three six five subscription. I'm not sure. I think a lot of people might be conservative about that. I think that there's still um, a negative stigma associated with renting software, a subscription model, rather than uh, why can't I just buy it and use it. Yeah. Um, even if it's cheaper in the long term, people still have a problem with it. Well, you know, I'll t- I'll, I, I, every time I hear that argument, I can't help feeling that a lot of people saying that aren't people who ever really bought the software. They yeah. are people who pirated the software. Yeah, well. And, of course, Office, uh, you know, uh, subscription software prevents piracy. Yep. And I think those people are, are moaning because without a purchase version, there's no way to pirate it or perhaps surreptitiously install a couple of extra copies. Yep. Um, and I think you're right, exactly. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Adobe yeah. went this route. Microsoft went this route. Um, yeah, it's it's the way of the world now. You're going to have to pay for what you use. There's always going to be piracy, but you know the big companies are going to go to models that kind of uh, limit their, their risk when it comes to piracy. And I think that's probably a good thing for those companies. Uh, a lot of people were asking, and if you get Microsoft 360 and you get it through the iPad, yes, Apple is getting 30% of that. Yep. And, I, you know, I think that that was the previous regime's reluctance to release the software for the iPad is that they didn't want Apple to take 30%. I think the old regime of Balmer and probably Gates had a philosophical problem with that. And I understand where that problem comes from. But Nadell seems to be of a mindset that that's where the customers are. Um, yeah, maybe we won't get the whole 100 bucks a year or 10 bucks a month. But you know what? 70 bucks a year or 7 bucks a month is a whole lot better than nothing. Well, exactly. <clears throat> and I, I think we are, we are slowly and surely but painfully transitioning to a world where customers aren't interested in your in your business strategy problems they That's just right. want to buy your stuff yep absolutely you know and they don't want to hear well i can't do this or i can't do that because that doesn't fit my business model so therefore you have to jump through this workaround or um something like that yeah people aren't interested in that anymore i i think to be honest with you i don't see many myself many people firing up an iPad, going into Word and then buying it there and then. Yeah. I think I I I don't think I don't think there's that many people going to do that. I think most people are going to fire it up, look at it, going to see that you need an Office 365 subscription, then they're going to go away probably go to the Microsoft website, browse, try and find out a bit more about it. Um and and then once they're there, obviously they'll probably normally make the purchase there rather than through the iPad. But, Could you be. know, we'll see. We'll see. What well, the other thing I think to say is that um, the current subscription model, Home Premium, is actually going to is actually going to be supplemented by a new one, a personal subscription that just gives you one desktop install and is going to be cheaper. And that's due in a couple of months' time. So if you don't like the idea of a uh, hundred dollars 
$60 a year. I think it's going to be about $60 a year, something like that. Um, and But it, you don't get five installs. You only get one and a tablet. So um, if, you, if you're just a loan office user, or perhaps you get office through work and something like that, so you only want one install for your tablet, that's going to be the option to go for. Now, if you have a Microsoft Store in your area, as we record this on Friday, um, March 28th, Microsoft is actually doing a promotion on the 29th. If you go into a Microsoft Store tomorrow, Saturday the 29th, and you're one of the first 50 to do so in that store, and you have your iPad, they will give you a free one-year subscription to Microsoft 365. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's that's, you know, not only are they did they finally release it, they're they're doing promotions for it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When's the last time you ever heard Microsoft saying bring your Apple product into the store and you're going to get something for free? Uh, well, only when they said you, <laughs> only only uh, they had a thing where they tried to get people to trade their iPads in for a Surface, didn't yep. they? Yeah, and they <laughs> did the same the thing time. with the phone. Remember, they wanted you to bring yeah. your iPhone to do speed tests. Um. But I, I certainly, from my experience of the um, Microsoft store in San Francisco, that place was always empty. So, if you when if I worked in Chicago, it, yeah. the the hotel I stayed at was about one mile from a pretty big mall, and they had a huge Microsoft store, and it was a gorgeous store, it really was. Always empty. The Apple so, store was a quarter of the size and was yeah. just packed with people. So I think if you um, if you fancy getting that, it might be worth toddling down there in the morning. You might not be queuing. Oh, you could probably walk in at five o'clock and be the third person and get one. <laughs> oh man, there was an article. This guy wrote this um, article. I I linked it to my Facebook page, David. I'd, so I'm sure you probably well, that, that means I'll it. never see it. Yeah, it's called <laughs> "Banned from Li- Banned for Life: The Hidden Dangers When Developing for Android." And uh, it's at medium.com. And if you go there, you'll find it. Medium, M-E-D-I-U-M dot com. I'll put a link in the show notes. So go to techfanpodcast.com. Go to show notes for episode 155, and you'll find a link there. Um, The guy's name is Steve German, and he was a longtime Mac developer since the 90s. And then when Apple released the iPhone, that's when he gave up on Apple. He yeah. didn't want to develop because he thought the walled garden was, you know, BS and nobody should be able to tell him what he could and couldn't release and blah, blah, blah. Open for the win. Yeah. This was where he was. Yep. Yeah. So he, he, he switched to Ubuntu. Duh. And, uh, and Android. And the first Android development tools wasn't up to snuff. So he waited. They got better. And then he finally made his apps. And he released 10 apps. Now, these apps really weren't apps. All they were was wrappers around specific YouTube channels. And when he released them, he got a warning saying that, you know, we've pulled your app because uh, it's using, you know, the names of proprietary whatever. And he didn't listen. And they pulled another app and they gave him another warning. And he didn't listen. He didn't take it very seriously. Then they just canceled his account, and they they banned him for life. And now he's complaining about it. And I posted this on Facebook, and I had some very smart people. 
uh, Maria Langerger. She's a great writer. She's a she's a you'd love her. She she wrote. Uh, you don't see the irony here. He turns his back on Apple because he doesn't like their walled garden, and he gets screwed over by open source folks. Or is that the point of the piece? And there I don't think is, it was the point yeah. of the piece because he never really comes back to that. But I don't think he sees the own his own irony here. Uh, there is some. Uh, well, I mean, this just I'm just skipping through this now. Oh, it's long. These things. Why are these things always long? I know. But there, there's an awful lot of self-justification. There's an awful lot of um, that kind of needy. Uh, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so why should I? You know, there's a thing here. Why didn't you heed the warnings about account termination? I thought I was innocent. I was accused of trying to impersonate the company, and in my mind, I was in no way trying to give that impression. Right. Well, it's like, well, it doesn't matter what your mind thinks. Clearly, Google thinks that you are. And then he goes on about, well, I emailed them and I asked for more information. And, and it's like, dude, they are not going to engage with you and have a philosophical debate about this. They have <laughs> already decided that you're a scammer. Yeah. So they're not going to argue with you. They've just given you the warning. That's the last you're going to hear from them until they pull the plug. And he had 10 <laughs> of them up there. And, and he was too dumb to go, oh, I better pull these other ones. Because... Oh, uh, yeah, well, he, he, there's also an awful lot of, well... Well, they canceled what they terminated one of my apps, but I assumed that meant the other nine were okay. Yeah. It's just like you don't get it, do you? Uh Bill Palmer Bill Palmer writes and it's also funny that he couldn't have any of his friends test his app because they were all all on iPhones. Hmm. That I'll tell you yeah. something there, Sparky. Bill Palmer <laughs> writes on uh on my Facebook post. This guy refuses to use iOS, even though he considers it the best. And he does. He even puts it in his post that he did consider it the best. And refuses to develop for iOS, even though he knows it's where all the profits are. All because of his political views about the openness of software platforms. Now he's learned the hard way that in an environment where you you have to follow, you don't have to follow any rules, there's no protection either when someone else decides to do whatever they want to you. Which is a good point. Maybe he should just get over his anti-Apple fanaticism and write for iOS like an adult. Then again, it doesn't well, sound like he wanted to be a real software developer. He just wanted to write some copycat junk apps, and those would have been rejected from Apple from the start. I like that. Uh, copycat yeah. junk apps. Absolutely. I, I also I think I don't I I get the impression that this is. It's more than just political, because let's face it, the guy was really politically motivated by uh, the open web and all this sort of thing. He wouldn't be right for Android. No, he wouldn't be right. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be writing for because because all um, mobile devices are closed platforms to a degree. Sure. Yeah, I can't sit down on my own and compile my own code in my own language that runs on my iPhone, can runs on an Android device. Yeah, it's not that sort of open platform. Yeah, oh. if you want to do that, you've got to write for the web, you've got to write on a PC, uh, you've got to write for Ubuntu. You know, those are proper open source platforms. You could write it for the These Mac things- too. Yeah. Yeah, but you you but you you'd have to you'd have to go away and do the point is that you don't do that on mobile devices because the very nature of them, they they're supply you they're supplying with a pipe from a contract from a, a carrier contract. That imposes certain restrictions. They're a telephone that imposes uh, imposes certain legal restrictions, and they're supplied by companies who, let's face it, their business 
yep. is not about letting people get scammed with their devices and they protect themselves. And this guy really was, you know, Richard Stallman Mark II. He would not be writing for Android. He wouldn't be writing for anybody like that. He'd probably be developing websites or something else. Yeah. But, but then he says here, I grew up in the 70s, 80s. It was normal back then to defy authority if you believe you were doing the right thing. Rules are necessary, but rules need to be carefully considered on a case-by-case basis. I had the attitude, it's better to be, beg for forgiveness than ask permission. Bull. Well, not bull. I that is how this, I, yeah, I, I we were up, like no, that I, then, and then we grew up and matured and realized that I, yeah, those I views are think, stupid. I don't, yeah, I don't think anybody who was an adult in the 1780s thought that was No, that was but the way growing up in the 70s and 80s like we did. So I'm assuming he's probably exactly our age. I get that mentality, but I grew out of those by the time I hit the 90s. I mean, yeah. that when when the real world smacks you in the face and you get your first delinquent tax bill, whoops. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got audited by the IRS when I was 16 years old. You want to talk about a wake-up call, David? I got audited. 16 yeah. years old. On an aside, you know how that happened? I worked at the same place, a little part-time temp job, where my dad worked. And the lady in the office is accidentally put my social security number on his tax forms and his on mine. And of course, uh, the government wanted to know why I wasn't claiming all this extra money that I made. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was fixed easily. But when you're 16 years old and you get a certified letter from the internal revenue service where you're guilty until you can prove you're innocent. Ah, that's scary. Yeah. So this guy was naive and, and not altogether very bright. I don't believe he's he's this naive. I, he says things like, no one told me there is the three strikes in your out policy when it comes to app suspensions. I thought I could maybe get 20 to 30 apps suspended without repercussions. Not that I was attempting to do that, but three apps, come on. That's kind of ridiculous. Really? 20, you think you could get 20 apps banned from a... From a you know, <laughs> yeah. this, this guy, this guy, he's full of... He's full of it, it, it. But it, it it got my uh, my juices flowing when I read it, I w- and I had to share it on Facebook because I knew there was a few people who would comment on it. I was curious to see what they would have to say. You still there? Sounds like we lost David for a minute. We'll try to get him back, but we'll do that during the break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ryan Van Leer. And I'm Matt York. We're from the Four Pigs the Bell Tools podcast. What is Four Pigs the Bell Tools, you might ask? We're a group of gamers who, simply put, have a passion for gaming. What sets us apart is our unbiased coverage of all the major platforms. That is Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Wii U, 3DS, and PlayStation Vita. Sometimes even PC or mobile games, too. We also love to reminisce about older games and systems from yesteryear. Four Pigs the Bell Tolls provides short but sweet reviews, the hottest gaming news, and in-depth gaming discussions. So if you love video games or would just like a fresh perspective of the industry, be sure to give us a listen and check out our YouTube page. We're part of the Stoplight Network of Podcasts. Back here on uh, Tech Fan number 155. We'd love to hear feedback from you. In fact, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we don't really ask for, David, but we really do appreciate it. Everyone likes a little... Uh, you know, attention or recognition when you when you're doing something, and we love the feedback, right? Yeah, I I want this guy to to contact us, and tell us tell us what what he really thinks. We could uh, I could reach out to him see if we can get him on the show. I'm not sure whether my blood pressure can take it. To be honest, <laughs> slap him around the head. 
Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, go to the techfanpodcast.com, leave a comment, or send us an email. You can send it to tim at techfanpodcast.com. That'll come directly to me. Or if you want to send it to David, how would they do that? Uh, David at techfanpodcast.com. Really, 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 really simple. So, David, uh, obviously, something made me very sad this since we did our last show. I am uh, a fan of video games, as you know. Yeah. Yep. And I had been keeping... I wasn't a backer on, on Kickstarter or anything, but I was keeping a close eye on the Oculus Rift. Yeah. And I was looking forward to it. And what got me even more excited is that last week at the Game Developers Conference, Sony came out and, and showed what they're doing, which is very, very similar. And it looks very cool as well. So, okay, now we're going to have two competing products. One from the veteran game company, Sony. And the one that seems to be farther ahead, the Oculus Rift. And they, I mean, they've got some great people working there. John Carmichael even uh, started working for them. John Carmack. Carmack, sorry, yes. And The the lead developer of Doom, Quake. Yeah, he's a video game uh, royalty. Yeah. And that's not overstating it at all. And he believed in the product so much, he joined them. So I was really, really looking forward to what they were going to do. And now the news comes out that they were acquired by Facebook. $2 billion, baby. I don't know why, but look, I use Facebook every day. I don't have anything necessarily against Facebook, but they're kind of creepy to me. They always have been, but I try to ignore that and just focus on the people that I'm connected with on Facebook and the great conversations that I have there and the friendships that I've renewed because of it. But I just got this sinking feeling in my gut when I found out that Facebook acquired them. I thought, ugh. Well, the, 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 real, the real question mark that immediately people raise is, well, what does this mean for a product? Because Facebook aren't a gaming company. Um, or, you know, are they a hardware company? Are they a gaming company? The only hardware they've ever done was that phone that seven people in New Zealand bought. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody bought it. Nobody. Yeah. Um, and it didn't even get bad reviews. In fact, people were like, well, that's kind of cool. And nobody bought it. Yeah. Yeah, they they certainly um, they certainly Facebook has a certain cloying stink about them that doesn't really go well no. for a lot of people. No. Um, you know, as 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 I as I said just previously, I, I don't don't use Facebook myself. I think the concern here is is that uh, at the moment they're all saying, "Oh, we're just it's just investment. We're just going to leave them be, let them do their thing." Yeah. Now they've yeah. got our resources behind, but. You don't spend $2 billion on something unless you expect to get something back out of it. Um, we don't At this point, we don't know what Facebook's long-term plan is. They, I was, they are saying, they're saying, oh, well, this is just about getting in the ground floor on something new and cool, and we don't want to miss the boat. Which um, they did in mobile. Yeah, and that's, that's fair enough. But, yeah, to me, I, I saw this as, a, as a, a hedging their bets against Google Glass. Mm. I think I think they're worried about Google Glass. Oh, I uh, think they are, but I think their 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 fear there is unjustified. Google Glass is going nowhere. 
It's going nowhere. Nobody wants it. Well, yeah, but I think I think they're uh, that product maybe, but obviously Google will try again and will try again until yeah, they get it right. Space. Yeah. Well, I, I was think... afraid that Google was going to buy them. That was my biggest fear. I thought, oh, I don't want Google to buy them. I really don't. And I thought that's I really did think that's what was going to happen, or even worse, someone like Yahoo or HP. Yeah. Ugh. Well, but the we'll longer see. they kept going without getting acquired, you know, and the better the technology was getting, and they were getting all this really good press, I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe they won't be acquired. Maybe they're going to be the next Tesla, you know, the next uh, Twitter or whatever. Somebody comes, comes knocking on the door with $2 billion in cash. It's very hard to turn it down. Um no what, I'll tell you one thing though. One thing I don't feel sorry for is the people who backed it on Kickstarter. They're all moaning now. We, we, we should get a part of that. We got it, yeah, we got it off the ground, and now what do we get for it? Well, that's the deal you sign up for. Yeah, you can't get equity in a company in Kickstarter. It's against Kickstarter. No. You can't do that. Uh, and these people didn't sign up to get equity anyways. They wanted to get their hands on this thing from the ground up. They thought it was a cool idea. They wanted to play with it. They got exactly what they paid for. Well, they probably got a better chance of actually getting their um, device now than they would have done otherwise. Well, no, they they got their devices. It's not and like they, they were, yeah, oh yeah, already been sent out, right? Okay. Oh yeah. In fact, they're on version two now, within oh, and and they were getting ready to send some of the version twos out, which I'm sure they still will. And uh, you know, if you were a backer on Kickstarter, you should be happy because guess what? It's definitely going to be released now. Yeah. A company just paid two billion dollars. They didn't pay two billion dollars to put it on a shelf and forget about it it's going well, to hit the market i don't know actually i mean that's that's that was my question is do you think we'll ever actually see the thing yeah i i can believe facebook could easily spend two billion dollars and say right now we, we've acquired the talent we've acquired the intellectual property that's what we wanted out of the deal we don't really care about actually making a business out of this no no they, they it will be released um it's too close to being a shipping product as it is there was only a few more hurdles to get over, um, but uh, for what they had, it, it's already a better platform uh, than the Oya, which you you could go to a store and buy that. It's already a better yeah, platform than that. The thing is, platforms live and die by their level of software support, and I, I do think that... But that's why a... they, they release the Oculus to people. Uh, most of the backers... Yeah, but that, that spent the money to actually get a dev unit were developers. There's a lot of software that's already been developed for it, and it's continuing yeah. to develop for it. So when they actually release it to the marketplace, there was going to be a, a nice swell of games for it, and not just, just games, but you know, apps. Yeah, I just wonder though how how willing those developers will be to continue to develop for that platform now it's owned by Facebook. Look, there. If you're a developer. Um, you're in it to make business and or to make money as a business. I'm sure there's a few that, you know, oh, we just do it because we like it. Sure you do. Um, being acquired by face Facebook means there's a 99.9% certainty that this will hit the market uh, with a sufficient marketing campaign to drive it and uh, sufficient capital to produce enough of these. That was my other concern. So, yeah, I think they're, if you're a developer, I think this is probably good news. If you were looking to actually buy one of these at an affordable price, I think this is good news. 
but I can't get it out of my head that this was, I just felt sad about it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should be happy because this means I'm probably going to get one now. But I think I think that what that probably means is that Facebook has a branding problem it needs to do something about. You know, Facebook is Facebook and Google are now looked upon like the NSA of companies. They do. Like, yeah, you know, we really don't. We we kind of accept that we've got to have them, but we really don't like them very much. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I don't know. I just. I don't want to, well, here, here, the, the next logical question then, David is, do you want something as a father, you got kids playing in the, in the front room. Do you want something that you have to put over your face? Not really. No, you can't, you can't play with this thing when the kids are awake. Nope. I, well, I, I have enough trouble peeling the children off my face, let alone taking a headset off my face. They're climbing all over me all the time. Uh, <laughs> But no, no, you, you, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's bad enough sitting in the corner of the room reading your iPad right. when the kids something else, and you want to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. Let alone seeing yourself in some um, virtual reality. You, I mean, I, you and I both grew up at the time when virtual reality was the big thing. It was going to be the next big thing, you know. And we're we're very much fans of, of science fiction stories sure. where, you know, Ready Player Ready Player One was. That was what it was all about. That was like the future of the internet. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what that's where this came from. Maybe maybe Zuckerberg read that book and went, "Wow, we've got to get one of those." Um, but to me, I look at the tech landscape. I look at the stuff we have now: the phones, the tablets, the computers, and all these amazing things that are so much easier to use and so much more. Um, interactable than anything you and I ever used when we were kids. Yeah. And then I look at my parents and my grandparents and a lot of the people around me who will never touch half this stuff with a barge pole. It's just, it's just not there. It's just too complicated for them. And to to picture those people putting a whole headset over their face. Yeah. I can't see it. To me, it's a niche. It's It's a a toy. yeah, it's always going to be a niche. And, uh, you know, if you're a hardcore gamer, yes, there's nothing you like better than to get close to those pixels. and. Uh, oh, I, I, totally, I totally want to put it on my head. I want the Sony one. I want this one. Actually, I want the Sony one more because I know that more big developers are going to be developing for it. You know, and Sony knows TV. I mean, and at the end of the day, it's, it's sound and it's a TV, right? And they know gaming platforms. They're really, really good at it. So I'm really excited about Sony's that marries up to the PS4. I think that would be awesome. But if I was a single parent with little ones at home, I can't even wait till they go to bed because I, I, I can't take the chance that one of them wakes up with a belly ache or, yeah. you know, well, I can't see anything. I can't hear anything. I'm in my own little virtual world. No. And also, how many times have you played a game or something, David, and you want to show somebody something that just happened in the game that was cool? can't do that on the system i guess you can record it and show it on the tv but not really the same thing so there's it's it's a toy i guess it could be used for business i don't know why it would be better than a, a big computer screen but i suppose you could do that well i i look i'm sat in our conference room at the moment so i'm sat here at a table with 50, uh, 10 12 chairs around me 
Now I can see a video conference where you where you create a virtual boardroom, and then you all wore the headset, so it like it looked like you were actually talking to each other in real life. I can see some sort of appeal of that, but again, not if that, big hair comes back like from the eighties. <laughs> well, well yeah, it's kind of the thing though, you know, you you're you're doing that. You're in your <laughs> you're in your virtual workspace, or whatever it is. You're having your meeting, uh, and then somebody comes into the room to give you a cup of tea or to tell you that a package came or that um, somebody on the phone wants you and everything. And they kind of have to have to, to yeah. um, pat you on the shoulder and kind of pull you out of it. Plus as well, let's face it, anytime you see somebody with one of those over their head, most people are going to assume that they're watching porn on it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Plus, plus yeah. And, and this is kind of the Google Glass problem as well. You kind of look like a dick when you got one on. Exactly. You kind of look like a tool. You do. You're like, ugh, look at this. Jesus. Um, and you thought staring at your phone while driving was bad. <laughs> have, you seen that, have you seen that YouTube video of the guy wearing one and they kind of play through him a video of, of a roller coaster or something? <laughs> he kind of starts rolling over and then he pulls the TV off. <laughs> off. That's funny. TV. He pulls. He basically falls over. And he pulls the TV on top of him because it's all connected. Up. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. You should say if you got a link to that, you should send it to me sometime. I'll find it. Yeah. Obviously, we probably won't get it in the show notes here, but because you're on, you're actually on your iPhone for this call. I have a laptop in front of me. So oh, do you? Okay. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really neat tech. But, you know, when we think back to, like, the holodecks from Star Trek, that was an actual room you went into, you know, yeah. and, and you could, it was a shared experience. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I never had one, but I played with a virtual boy back in the 80s or early 90s, whenever that came out from Nintendo. And, you know, they, it didn't stay on the market long because it gave people headaches and all that. And this would be a lot better. It, this will still give some people headaches. Um We'll see how it works if you happen to have corrective glasses on. Uh, that's that's going to be my problem. The screen's going to be so close to your eyes, David. I, anything that close to me, I need my reading glasses. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe there's software that will correct it for you automatically. I don't know. Regardless, when it first comes out, it's going to be a toy. Very niche. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people will buy it. But it depends on where it goes as a technology. Number one, it has to get much, much, much smaller. It needs to be like putting on a pair of glasses with an earbud. Until they get to that point, eh, I just don't know. It's big, clunky. Kids will like it. Parents will detest it. I don't know. You know, but there's a lot of applications. I mean... You could attend school with one of these. You know, all the students are at home wearing this thing, and they're they're attending school. And that would be much more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, realistic than just trying to do the same thing via Skype in a web browser. Yeah. But I don't know. It's interesting. I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't see browsing Facebook wearing VR headset. And I know that's what Facebook is hoping for. 
that you'll put this on and you'll be in Facebook world. And, oh, look, there's your friend, his avatar, and it looks almost just like him. And you could talk to him and have a face-to-face confronta- or a conversation. And Otherwise, uh, you could just call him up and meet him at a local coffee shop. Not if they live 300 miles away. Now, I mean, how far apart are we? Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this show and it looked like we were sitting in the same room? Better audio quality. Um, it'd still be audio for the listeners, but they could subscribe to a video channel where they can literally put on their headset and walk around the wherever we're sitting, looking at the things we're talking about as we pull up a screen in the VR world and, oh, look, there it is. I mean, this kind of stuff okay. would be neat, but... So, let me... Huh? You're selling me on it. Yeah. 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 I, I think it could work. Let's let's just build our own. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do is we'll buy Ray Ban. Because they're stylish. The I want to do the show from the edge of a live volcano. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, or maybe like the hangar from uh, on Bespin. Yeah. From Star Wars. Yeah. So we're we're like. Yeah, just on the edge of a of a big void. Yep. That represents our minds. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is black and dark in here. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, over there in the UK, did you guys get the new Cosmo series? Uh, we have not as yet. No. It's good. Yeah. It's good. I like that they're bringing science back to the mainstream, which has been a problem here in the United States. For the better part of two decades, where I wonder why that's why it's not appeared here because we actually we have quite a lot of science programming. The BBC does I know, a lot. I know you do. That's why I was kind of surprised that you haven't got it yet. It, it, um, I don't know. It, it just must be a licensing thing, or they're going to release it later there. It, than, it's probably available. In fact, I'm just looking now, and the National Geographic Channel is going to have it over here. I have no idea how to watch the National Geographic Channel here. Yeah. I have no idea where it comes from. So, um, uh, you know, probably torrent it. It's, it's, yeah, well, um, I had to do that with, I don't get this. You know, I've got the, uh, the new Comcast X1 Infinity blah, blah, blah box. And I can record all these channels at the same time and still watch another one, even though half the time it, well, not half the time, but. 10% 10% of the time it forgets to record something and oh that just irritates me um, most of the time I can then go watch it on the DVR the on demand thing but yeah. the problem there is half of the things that I like to watch if you watch it through the on demand it says fast forwarding and pausing has been disabled during this view what oh I hate that I hate that so, yeah. so you're forced to watch other commercials if I would have yeah. recorded it, I could skip all the commercials I want. Oh, you're going to watch it on demand on a service you pay for? Nope, you got to watch the commercials. That's irritating. Uh, but what I was getting at was I, my wife and I love The Amazing Race. It's like our favorite show to watch together. And for whatever reason, CBS has decided to put it on Sundays, which means that there's a sporting event that goes over. It screws up the schedule for everything else after that. Yeah, And so, at least half the time, I start watching Amazing Race, and it's still halfway through 60 minutes, the program that starts right before it. 
which 60 Minutes used to be a great show, and it sucks now. And that would always irritate me, so I had set up the DVR to record the show after it, just in case. But I didn't do that for the new season. And, uh, yeah, I missed it. I had to go and uh, to get the the episode online. Doesn't... Don't the DVRs over there, don't they adjust? When you set a nope. program, doesn't it adjust for the fact the program might have changed in the schedule? But they don't change the schedule at all. No, Comcast no, isn't isn't good enough to say, cause, oh, cause well, this, this ran yeah. over, so this is actually going to start at 8.45 instead of 8 o'clock. No, it all doesn't do that. Transmit a sig- no matter what system you're on, transmit a signal to the box to say, yeah, that program that you were expected to record is not on yet. It will be on, nope. and then they, they basically send a flag to tell it to stop, start Comcast recording. Comcast doesn't do that. Well. And, and even worse, there are some programs that go over there a lot of time, and for some reason Comcast doesn't know that they did that, so it doesn't record the end of it. Like Justify. Justified usually goes 70 minutes. Well, the schedule on the DVR thinks it's only one hour, so I always miss the last 10 minutes. Now... My old DVR system, I could go in and say, record for an extra hour and a half after this program ends. And it would. The new one, five minutes. I'm very, very unhappy with the new Comcast system. I really am. Don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm sure once they own the entire internet in the U.S., it'll get a lot better. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's all they need. So, David, we should wrap up this show. We're approaching our hour mark, and I know that it's... Uh, getting late in the day there for you and uh, I'm sure my wife wants to do other things and stay in the other room quietly and not be able to do anything because I'm recording a podcast (laughs) Uh, and there's a new black kitty that's been hanging around our house lately out front and I'm from where I'm sitting I can see him out the front window staring at me and I I feel like I want to go pet him for a little bit so we're going to wrap up this episode I will see you uh, next week not heading off to China right I'll take that as a no. I think we lost David again. So for David, I'm Tim. We'll see you next week. <laughs>